The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much. Just been a little in it, but glad to be back on, and I see we still got a few more, a couple more divisions to do, so let's go. Yes, on this edition of Know the Score, we will be previewing the NFC and AFC North divisions for the 2019 NFL season, the 100th season of the NFL. You can find Know the Score on CSPN at CSPN.us. You can also download, subscribe, and listen to Know the Score through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. So we're going to start with the NFC North going to start with the division winners from last year as they went 12 and 4 the Chicago Bears in his first year Matt Nagy took the Bears to the playoffs for the first time since 2010 and he also won the NFC North title the season ended on Cody Parker's double doink field goal miss versus the Eagles in the playoffs so the important additions to the Chicago Bears safety haha Clinton Dix Defensive back Buster Scrine, wide receiver kick returner Cordell Patterson, running back David Montgomery, running back Mike Davis, kicker Eddie Pinero, and defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano. Their losses include safety Adrian Amos, defensive back Bryce Callahan, running back Jordan Howard, receiver Josh Bellamy, kicker Cody Parker, and defensive coordinator Vic Vangio. So, too bad we don't have Jade to the max on this uh, edition of Another Score to, <laughs> to give us all things Chicago Bears-related information. But the Bears were maybe a surprise last year under a rookie head coach, uh, Matt Nagy, taking the lessons that he learned from Andy Reid, applied them to Mitchell Trubisky, and uh, turned – his fortunes around. He actually looks like an up and coming prospect where he was kind of middle of the road uh, after his rookie season. I told y'all. You say what now? I, I told y'all. I said I was optimistic about this last year. And look what happened. <laughs> I know a little bit. <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, their losses include running back Jordan Howard who was a part of a one-two punch with Tyreek Cohen. But things have changed in the running back situation, and he was expendable. So I want to start there. How do you see the loss of Jordan Howard affecting Mitchell Trubisky and the overall theme of how Chicago wants to play football? It does concern me a little bit because they kind of run more of a power back scheme, and, of course, Terry Cohen's a speedster. So you got to wonder who's going to be the guy, the, who's going to be the bridge in back. And 
that unless they're transitioning away from that kind of uh, scheme, we need to figure out how this is going to make make more of a spread offense. Are they going to make it more, you know, elusive back kind of kind of deal, or or they just kind of trying to find somebody who can develop and become that back that Jordan Howard was. And, you know, you kind of, it was more of a, more of like a dunk because they didn't really get much out of it. Like a six, wasn't like a six round pick for him. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, each pick has value. I mean, you never know what, what, what can come from that, from that pick that was given to the Bears. But I think this is going to, we're going to really have a test of the development of Mitchell Trubisky. Can he, can his arm really lead to more wins, uh, continue success for the Bears? And, you know, they did have, they've always been traditionally a great defensive team. They had a great defensive coordinator who's now the head coach of the Denver Broncos, as we alluded to in our last preview, Big Fangio. But Chuck McConnell, I think he's one of those guys who's a better coordinator than I mean he's a, he was a great head coach, but I think he's an even greater coordinator. You know, there's always certain uh, coaches who should just stick to coordinating versus actually being a coach, i.e. Wade Phillips or Turner. I kind of call it the Phillips Turner Turner kind of deal. So. I think Pagano will keep the defense on point, and we'll just have to see how this how this uh, absence of Howard affects the development of Trubisky going forward. The big news for the Bears in training camp, of course, is the kicking situation. They are trying to improve their kicking situation because they had the most missed uh, kicks as far as extra points and field goals in the league last year by far. So it will be very interesting to see who wins out for the kicking job in Chicago, uh, dealing with the weather there um, and the close games in that division, the way that those teams like to play. The kicking game is very, very important. So if they can improve in that area, uh, Chicago could maybe get a first round by instead of having to host a wild card team in that first weekend of the playoffs. But uh, I think they're going to be strong again this year. Khalil Mack, second year. Uh, with the team, but in a totally different defense this year. So it'll be interesting to see how his production, um, you know, changes in uh, Chuck Pagano's scheme. But Chuck Pagano was the coach of the Ravens when they had one of the most uh, ferocious pass rushes in the league. So I think he will flourish uh, just like he did with Vic Fangio uh, when he was the coordinator last year. Agreed. Agreed. And then also they still run a three. I, I want to say it's still a three-four scheme. That Pagano, he ran in Baltimore, ran in Indianapolis. I think it's still going to be the same in Philadelphia. I mean, not Philadelphia. I have Philly on the brain, but uh, in Chicago. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Last year, the Vikings finished 8-7-1. and They won just one of seven games against teams that made the playoffs, including a home loss in a finale to the Chicago Bears to miss out on the postseason. The offensive line failed to help the running game get going, and that led to the firing of offensive coordinator John DeFilippo before the end of the year. 
important additions to this year's Minnesota Vikings. Center, Garrett Bradbury. Right guard, Josh Klein. Defensive tackle, Shamar Steven. Tight end, Irv Smith Jr. Running back, Alexander Madison. Wide receiver, Jordan Taylor. Assistant head coach and offensive advisor, Gary Kubiak. Important losses, defensive tackles, Shelton Richardson and Tom Johnson. Running back, Latavius Murray. Right guard, Mike Rimmers. Uh, punt returner, Marcus Sherrills. Strong safety, Andrew Shadejo. And wide receiver, Aldrick Robinson. Now, last year coming into the season, the big news with the Vikings was they paid Kirk Cousins all this money to get them over, to- over the top. The team who had the year before uh, appeared in the NFC Championship game came up just a little bit short. So they figured that Kirk Cousins would be the ingredient to get them over the top. And their offensive line was not that good last year. They didn't have much of a running game. They could not get um, Dalvin Cook really established. Uh, of course, he, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, of course, he dealt with injuries again in his second year. So the third year, they're looking for Dalvin Cook to really blossom. Uh, like I said, in the lead up, they fired their offensive coordinator, who was also uh, instrumental to their offensive line. So now they've got the kind of running game as the primary focus, more play action. Gary Kubiak is coming in, so they're going to run more of a Shanahan-based offense, kind of something that Kirk Cousins is familiar with, you know, starting with Shanahan, then moving over to John Gruden. So uh, all things seem to be lining up that they should have a much better year as far as the offense goes. But I think last year the biggest disappointment was the defense. They really took a step back last year on defense. And uh, it looks like uh, Zimmer, like a lot of coaches who, you know, his team kind of slipped, taking more of an instrumental role in his defense this year. So they should uh, return to pretty, you know, high-ranked status. But I would like to start with the rookie tight end, Irv Smith Jr., uh, they already have a pretty good tight end there in Minnesota. Uh, and now they're adding Irv Smith Jr. to the attack. Do you think that this could end up being what the Patriots had a few years ago where they had uh, Gronk and um, Hernandez and they kind of changed the way that they could run their offense where they didn't necessarily have to do as much shuffling out. They could just kind of keep one personnel package on the field and do a lot of things. I think this has a chance to be something special um, with the with the talent that Erskine Jr. brings to complement Kyle Rudolph. This could be a very Gronk Hernandez like like deal, and you really don't see too much of a two dominant receiving tight ends. We had a potential Tampa Bay with O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray, but uh, you also got to make sure these guys are healthy because it does, for some reason or another, the, the possibilities are endless, but uh, there's always something that happens that really prevents it from coming into fruition. But with what talent that these guys have in that tight end position, the sky's the limit for what they can do. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is going to definitely uh, be a big fan of Irv Smith Jr. Uh, having two capable tight ends 
uh, will definitely be something that he should be looking forward to. Uh, I know that he was a big fan of Jordan Reed and having Vernon Davis the one year that he got to play with those two guys uh, in the lineup. So you should look for a lot of big things if you're uh, looking for a fantasy sleeper pick late in the rounds there and you need a tight end late, I would look at Irv Smith Jr. for sure. Next up, the Green Bay Packers. They finished up last year a disappointing 6-9-1 as the Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, they played to a tie last year. Mike McCarthy, he was fired after a loss to the lowly Arizona Cardinals, dropped the Packers to 4-7-1. The Packers split their final four games and finished with their worst record in more than a decade. So that led to the addition of new head coach Matt LaFleur, offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, quarterbacks coach Luke Getzke, offensive line coach Adam Sendovich, offensive lineman Billy Turner, outside linebackers Zadarius Smith, excuse me, and Preston Smith, along with Rashawn Gary, strong safeties Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, cornerback Kadar Holman, and running back Dexter Williams. Their losses are, of course, coach Mike McCarthy, wide receiver Randall Cobb, outside linebacker Clay Matthews, fullback John Kuhn, and linebacker Nick Perry. So, of course, coming into this season for the Packers, the big news is Aaron Rodgers underneath his you know, first new offense in his career. He's always had Mike McCarthy as a head coach. He's always been in his version of the West Coast offense. Offense he knew backwards and forwards. Offense he could basically, you know, call the plays as needed. And now this year, Matt LaFleur's coming in. New scheme coming over from Tennessee. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how they mesh. There's already been a lot of speculation that, you know, Matt LaFleur could possibly be a one-and-done guy if he doesn't you know, mesh with Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get along with him. Do you think that this is a lot to do about nothing that people are blowing more smoke into this than need to be just because LaFleur is a a first year coach and who he's getting a chance to coach? I think so. We really don't have an indication of what's going on. I mean, there's always reports of, Aaron Rodgers being gay, one of diva, being gay, being somebody who doesn't really take the direction of a coach, but it's just something we have to wait and see how it plays out. I think that before, not only is he taking over with a new scheme and a quarterback who's not that much younger than him. I think Adam Floor is like, what, 34, 35? Mm-hmm. So, so a young, it's a young coach, and and really going to have to wonder, can, can Aaron Rodgers trust this offense, trust the scheme, or does he go back to what he does? We know Aaron likes to call plays on the fly, call his own kind of plays. Which is, and if you definitely let you know if a call is a bad call or not. Uh, we've seen that. And we remember the Buffalo game with Green Bay. Remember those three words, um, SFC, stupid effing call. So, 
you know, we can see if Aaron Rodgers will be receptive or is he going to resist uh, the new schemes and things that Matt LaFleur has to offer. Important losses really jump out to me. Um, on the offensive side, they lost Randall Cobb, probably Aaron Rodgers' most uh, trusted receiver, even though he had been dealing with injuries the past few years. And also longtime Packer, uh, outside linebacker Clay Matthews, uh, moved on with the new regime coming in. Which one of these players is Green Bay going to miss the most? Are they going to miss the offensive guy or are they going to miss the defensive guy? Miss the offensive guy more because aside from Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham, who's really the other receivers in Green Bay? I mean, can Deron Allison stay healthy to be the new guy, the new number two guy? Will Marquez Valdez Scantling emerge? Will Equity St. Brown emerge? We don't know. So at least. You had Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Jimmy Graham. You always had somebody to, you know, you, you don't know which guy to key in on. This time around, you got two guys you can zero in on, and we just need to see who's going to be that guy Aaron Rodgers can trust and will emerge from the pack and somebody who is not only dependable, but can help his team win games. My theory is this, when you play with the quarterback, the quality of an Aaron Rodgers, all you got to do is be where you're supposed to be and catch the ball, and he'll make you famous. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knew who Devontae Adams was four years ago, but he's always where he's supposed to be, and he caught the ball, except for that one night he almost got killed on national TV. Everybody knew who he was. He took that nasty helmet-to-helmet hit in that Bears game. Yeah, yeah, but before then, nobody really knew who he was, and now the last two years he's led the league in touchdown catches. So just be where you're supposed to be and catch the ball. And you play with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he'll make you famous. Our next team, the Detroit Lions. They finished up 6-10 and under first-year coach Pat Patricia, who lost the last seven of their ten games. It was their first season with double-digit losses since 2012. Uh, for older fans of football like myself, that's actually very impressive for the Detroit Lions. It's been seven years since they've uh, seen double-digit losses because there is a string there where we didn't even think they were going to win a game. Or they didn't win a game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Important additions to this year's Detroit Lions team – Defensive end, Trey Flowers, wide receivers, Jermaine Curse and Danny Amendola. Tight ends, TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James. Running back, CJ Anderson. Offensive lineman, Oday Abushi. Safety, Andrew Adams. Cornerbacks, Marcus Cooper, Justin Coleman, and Rashawn Melvin. Important losses, safety, Glover Quinn. Defensive end, Ezekiel Anza. Defensive tackle, Ricky Jean Francois. Offensive guard, T.J. Lang. Cornerback, Nevin Lawson. Running back, LeGarrette Blunt. Tight end, Michael Roberts. Levon Tolio and Luke Wilson. Rod receivers, T.J. Jones and Bruce Ellington. And linebacker, Trevor Bates. First-year coach, Pat Matricia, trying to, of course, do what all coaches who come from New England do. 
do it the Bill Belichick way, and it did not work as they had a lot of injuries to a lot of key players. And, um, you know, Matthew Stafford just didn't play well. And if Matthew Stafford doesn't play well, the Lions don't play well. Do you, do you see anything changing this year? Do you think that they have a defense that could maybe take some of the pressure off Matthew Stafford for the first time in his career where he can actually not be the reason they win and lose games? He can be more the reason why they win. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a chance. I mean, Trey Flowers is pretty good. And, you know, considering, I think that's one of the biggest upgrades. You know, I, I think aside from that, you know, Ziggy Ons is a big loss. But so was Glover Quinn too, man. Well, yeah, that's. I think that's. I think that's probably a bigger loss now that you mentioned uh, Glover Quinn. That's somebody who's really got a motor. He's really got good defensive instincts and very valuable to that team. So, and I, I don't. Looking at it on paper, I don't really see the Lions having much improvement. On the defensive side, so it's still going to probably still be the same things. Going to be back on the arm of Stafford, trying to will his team to victory, and you know, and it really isn't good for Stafford because look at what he is. Uh, I mean, he's stuck. look what he's been through. I mean, he just still doesn't. He lost Calvin Johnson basically, and Kenny Galladay's emerged, but. Who else has he had the ball thrown to? I mean, Eric Ebron couldn't catch anything. Then he goes to Indianapolis, and he's an all-pro tight end. Go figure. So who – well, now they got eight different tight ends now. How is – let's try to figure out how this is going to work out for him. Definitely uh, one of the years Matthew Stafford would rather forget. I think it was uh, he had one of his highest uh, interception uh, seasons, and that's actually saying a lot for Matthew Stafford because, you know, he likes to throw picks. Um, you know, just so many changes, new program coming in with a new coach and with a team that was, you know, had been respectable under Jim Caldwell, had kind of gotten to a point where they were maybe closer with Caldwell than they were with going with Patricia, but they felt it was time for a change. So uh, they took the necessary steps to go backwards and hope in hopes to move forward this year. But like you said, with so many losses on their defense and the defense that already was struggling, I just don't see how they're going to provide enough help for, for Matthew Stafford to not have to basically play a, a mistake free game every week for them to have a chance. So that was the NFC North. I'm going to get your prediction on how do you see these teams finishing out and if you see more than one playoff team coming out of the NFC North. Okay, so my prediction will be this. I'm going to go with the Bears, the Vikings, Packers, and Lions. I want to say... We might get at the least one, at the most two. And it'll be the Bears and Vikings, potentially. Okay. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have the exact same order that you do. I'm gonna go with the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers, and um, the Lions. Uh, I just think that the Bears are in an upward swing. They have a quarterback that's coming into his third year of starting, second year, and um, an offense that he really got a lot better in as the year progressed and we got towards the end of the year. Uh, it's just going to be now, can he uh, just be consistent with it, come out every week, put up the 68% completion percentage, make the th- throws in the red zone to score touchdowns and don't get your field goals and operate on third down. You know, those are the things that really good quarterbacks do. And that's those are the steps that Trubisky has to take now. We understand that he can play. He can read the defenses. He can move in the pocket. He can you know, do the things that you need to see your quarterback do as far as, you know, stay alive and not get hurt and look competent. But now he's got to start putting a little bit of polish on his game. And I think that the Bears will be, you know, a really hard out this year. Everybody who plays the Bears will probably lose their next game too just because their offense is so hard-hitting and their defense, excuse me, is so hard-hitting. And their offense is up-tempo and fast-paced and uh, keeps your defense off guard. So looking for big things from the Chicago Bears. And again, big shout-out to our number one Chicago Bears fan, Jay to the max. We're going to shift over to the AFC North, but before we do, we just want to remind you to please visit CSPN.us, support our sponsors, go over to the website, click on the tab that says keep our podcast free, do some shopping with Amazon.com. When you do some shopping through Amazon.com by visiting CSPN.us first, some of your purchase does come back to the program so we can keep know the score and all the podcasts on the network free each and every week. So again, support know the score, support the CSPN, visit the website, CSPN.us, click keep our podcast free, shop with our sponsors, and please help keep CSPN free each and every week. AFC North time will start with the division champions, the Baltimore Ravens. They wound up 10 and 6. They ended up losing to the Chargers in their playoff game. The Ravens ended a three-year playoff hiatus. They captured the AFC North with a run-heavy offense and the top-ranked defense in the NFL. Important additions to this year's Ravens. Safety, Earl Thomas. Running backs, Mark Ingram. Uh, receiver, Seth Roberts. Marquise Brown and Michael Floyd. Defensive end, Shane Ray. Cornerback, Jason, Justin Bethel. Excuse me. Offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. And general manager, Eric DaCosta. Important losses, linebacker Terrell Suggs, C.J. Mosley, and Zadarius Smith. Wide receivers John Brown and Michael Michael Crabtree. Safety, Eric Weddle. Tight end, Max Williams. And general manager, Ozzie Newsom. So we'll start there with the loss of general manager Ozzie Newsom, who retired in the offseason over 20 years of service uh, in the front office with the Ravens as their assistant GM and then moving up to their GM just defining and setting the culture of what has become known as Ravens football, winning tradition, hard hitting defense, you know, smart special teams uh, for the most part, decent quarterbacking, but they've had their challenges. So just talk about the loss of Ozzie Newsom first, before we talk about anything on the field uh, with the Ravens and kind of, you know, this is actually, 
the end of a, the official era of the, you know, Ray Lewis, uh, Ed Reed, uh, Brian Billick, Ravens. He was the last the piece. Original, yeah. The original Ravens. This was really the end of a chapter of this franchise. Like, I've been was there when they moved, when the Browns left everything in Cleveland, and the Ravens were born in Baltimore. And the tradition that they built, I mean, this was a... This was a team that built was built around his defense and a game manager quarterback, Trent Delfer, and uh, a defense that was just one of the stingiest defenses ever. And to end up to end a Hall of Fame career as a player, I mean, you gotta figure Ozzie Newsom was an original Cleveland Brown. He was with. He basically was with Art Waddell most of his most of his adult life. If you think about it, from the Browns, then the move, which was ugly, and then building this team in Baltimore, making it work, uh, especially to a city where they were shunned themselves. But his his team building really helped this. Helped this uh, franchise get two Super Bowls, so a very, very story career, and much love to us. You know, definitely. Now on the field, Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram, they're getting added to the offense and defense. Earl Thomas is gonna, you know, basically take over the role of Ed Reed as you know the most feared player in the Ravens secondary. Running back Mark Ingram is gonna be paired. <laughs> with um, the quarterback, um, Lamar Jackson, as Baltimore starting to, you know, really go all in on this. I don't even know what you call their offense. They don't. It's not really a read option. It's not really a pistol. It's not really a spread. It's not really an air raid. It's like all of it because they have um, Bobby Petrino on the staff as well. So this is going to be the first offense in the NFL He's not going to quit on him, is he? <laughs> I think he's a consultant, so he only probably has to work a couple of days a week. I uh, hope he doesn't quit on that job. That's an easy job, man. <laughs> um, but they're going to be the first team to really go all in on this running threat of an offense for their quarterback where, I mean, I heard that they're planning to run him like 15 times a game. Now, I'm pretty yeah. sure, like, ten of those will be designed for him to get seven yards and get to the sideline as quick as possible. But that's I a lot. So, <laughs> I hope so, because we've seen what's happened with Cam trying to run the ball down. So. Yeah, so in your estimation, man, do you think that this is going to work, that they're, that relying on a run-heavy offense – between your quarterback and your stable of running backs, can that really work and get Baltimore back to the playoffs next year? I don't know. I mean, this league is about evolving. I mean, it's a passing league right now. And from that wild card game that the Chargers and Ravens played last year, we kind of saw that the Ravens could not throw the ball for nothing. I mean, we do remember that, right? We do. So, so 
if they're going to revamp this offense and make it a run heavy, get let Lamar run it 15 times a game, good luck. Because Lamar is fast. And, and I just don't want him to get killed because these linebackers are pretty quick, too, along with these safeties and defensive players. So, um, I mean, if you got three or four running backs by committee that can run the ball along with them, more power to it. I mean, this might be something that can be a success, and then other teams will try to emulate it. And then on the converse, it could be a dud, and they would need to try to go back to the drawing board and figure something out. So, I don't know. I'm not optimistic about it. It kind of had to be one of those things where they had to show and prove. Now, defensively, man, they took a huge hit in the linebacking core. Uh, Terrell Suggs, even at his advanced age, is still one of the best, you know, specialty third-down pass rushers in the league. C.J. Mosley, all-world, all-pro linebacker who I was hoping the Washington football team could get in on. An up-and-coming player, Zadarius Smith, all left to go with different teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how that defense, which was the number one ranked defense last year, is going to come in and replace those guys. And uh, don't forget Eric Weddle as well. He was a big part of the their secondary and their blitz packages. So how big of a drop-off are you expecting of the Ravens this year on defense? It's going to be a big drop-off. And a lot of work is going to have to be done here. So... Good luck to, I mean, John Harbaugh, defensive coordinator, whoever that is. It's going to be very, very tough. We got a very, very, very tough. And, and with all that talent that left, it's going to be very interesting to see how this defense stacks up and this new innovative offense better be ready to score a lot of points just in case. So. Or at least hold the ball and they run the ball so much that their defense doesn't have to play so much defense. That too. Next team in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They finished 9-6-1. Pittsburgh led a two-and-a-half game lead in the AFC North Vanish over the final month of the season to miss the playoffs for the first time since 2013. Five of Pittsburgh's six losses were by seven points or less. Important additions to the team, cornerbacks Justin Lane and Steven Nielsen, linebackers Devin Bush and Mark Barron, wide receivers Dante Moncrief and Deontay Johnson. Important losses, wide receivers Antonio Brown and Darius Bay, running back Le'Veon Bell, safety Morgan Burnett, linebackers John Bostic and LJ Fort, and offensive line coach Mike Munchak. Of course, the big news coming into Pittsburgh season is is this going to be addition by subtraction as Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, the two biggest stars on their offense, have both departed? And it seems like there is now peace and harmony in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. There seems to be a lot less friction. So, Dwayne, I'm going to ask you, do you expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to have a bounce back season? Now that it seems like all the malcontents have left their locker room and there seems to be a lot more team chemistry and cohesion this season. I think 
think so. I mean, this is a team that was pretty good, but they were distracted. It, you know, imagine if maybe on Bill and Antonio Brown weren't as distracting as they were. This team would have been more focused. They probably would have went 12-4. The two-and-a-half game lead wouldn't have slipped. I don't know how they would have done in the playoffs because there's always some kind of slip up in the playoffs or they just can't get by New England. And it would have been the same old song in that regard. But if there's a, you know, when you get rid of the malcontents, as you put it, out of the locker room, and then there's a lot more positivity, a lot more harmony, and you play better. Like everything, I mean, winning always cures everything. But, you know, when you're not playing yet, you have to develop that chemistry. You have to develop that that time together and this is a team that definitely has the capabilities of doing that so I think that with the way the Steelers have developed this they can definitely come back from this and and they'll be fine so uh, and we see what's going on in Oakland I mean look what's going on in Oakland with Antonio Brown now prime example. So I'm sure there's a lot of relief in that Steelers locker room that they don't have to deal with that. That's not their problem anymore. They added Dante Moncrief, who is a veteran receiver who's bounced around, but I think they're really expecting James Washington to step up and uh, Eli Rogers to kind of bounce back because he kind of took a backseat the past couple of years. But I think they're expecting those two guys to kind of help him out and, uh, and, and make up for that production that Antonio Brown uh, gave them. It won't be one person who can do it. It'll be a couple of three guys, though, and they feel like yeah. they won't really miss a beat as far as uh, explosiveness and being able to put points up. And so far, so good on James Washington's part. He's had a pretty good preseason. I've watched a couple of their games, and he shined in both of those. So another uh, fantasy player that you guys should be looking out for is James Washington. But on a defensive end, they just keep stacking up these linebackers, man. Um, they're they're really not that sold on um, the kid from out of Georgia. Um, what's his name? Um, I can't think of his name um, right now. But, yeah, he's a, a draft pick out of Georgia a couple of years ago, outside linebacker. So they got Devin Bush. They added Mark Barron. They already got T.J. Watt. Um, so, you know, it seems like, you know, they're just loading up on – on the linebackers, and they're going to be uh, a little bit different defensive philosophy this year. They said they're going to try to go back to more of an attacking style defense. So it looks like Pittsburgh is trying to get back to their roots a little bit more and, uh, you know, change up their luck and their misfortune from last year. So we'll see how it works. They're going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch as far as, you know, production points, uh, points put up on the board and just how effective Big Ben is uh, as far as his numbers look, uh, especially the first half of the season. Uh, you know, if there's a huge drop-off, you know, everybody's just going to be screaming, oh, you should have paid Antonio Brown. You should have dealt with the, with the headaches. Because that's what fans do. <laughs> Our next team is the team that has received all the preseason hype. The team that has most primetime games heading into this season before the flight schedule kicks in. That is the Cleveland Browns. 
Cleveland Browns last year went 7-8-1. Uh, they tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers on opening day. So everybody kind of knew that, oh, you know what? These might not be the same old Browns. And after Baker Mayfield took over the starting job in week four and set the NFL rookie record with 27 touchdown passes, it wasn't the same old Browns. Freddie Kitchens began the season in the shadows as a running back coach. Then he took over as the offensive coordinator, and he was eventually hired as the head coach uh, coming into the 2019 season. Important additions, wide receiver Odell Beckham comes over from the Giants in a trade. They also added Jalen Strong, running back Kareem Hunt, defensive end Olivier Vernon, defensive lineman Sheldon Richardson, safety Morgan Burnett, and tight end Demarius Harris. Or Demetrius Harris, excuse me. Important losses, guard Kevin Zietler, safety Jabril Peppers, linebacker Jamie Collins, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba, and defensive back Derek Kendrick. Cleveland Browns are the sexy, chic pick. They have all the shiny toys. They have the hotshot quarterback. They have the, you know, highlight reel receiver. They have the talented but troubled running back in Kareem Hunt, who had a great rookie year, but, you know, his off-the-field actions, you know, led to him being cast off from Kansas City. They added Olivier Vernon to already awesome defensive line along with Sheldon Richardson. So all things are looking forward for the Cleveland Browns this year to be that team. Is this the year that the Cleveland Browns are the toast of not only the NFC North, but the whole NFL? No. They're a nice pick. Nobody nobody wants Cleveland to have a great football season more than myself. I definitely think Cleveland fans deserve it. However, I don't think it's not yet. I'm a, and, and I say no this year. And the reason I say no this year is because it's not their time yet. They might, they're going to have to go through some of the growing pains. And they're going to have to go through some of the things that that teams that that are in this position have to go through. I mean, you still have you still have the juggernauts in the AFC East and Patriots. You still have the as long as Brady's on the team, you can't you can't count out the Patriots. You have the Chiefs, who have a nice quarterback and explosive offense and a and a defense themselves. You have Pittsburgh, who's probably going to come back into fruition. The Ravens are unknown basic wild card. So there's a lot of uh, teams in front in front of the Browns, but the games are played on the field, of course, so we would have to wait and see. I just don't think that it's Cleveland's time right off the bat, first time together, but it could be. It could be. I could be wrong. And if I am, that's okay. I'm very interested to see Cleveland's defense in their preseason game, even though it wasn't a fair test when they played the Washington football team. Their number one defense played against our number two offensive line. Total mismatch. Uh, Miles Garrett is so good. And then you put Bradley, uh, and then you have, um, do you add Olivier Vernon with that now? 
So I really am expecting to see them really take a step forward on defense. Um, and then they're also going to have a really impressive running game. I mean, they have Nick Chubb and then they add Kareem Hunt to that. So I look for their game plan, especially Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator, very aggressive. Is they're going to try to get up on teams quick. They're going to try to hit you with Odell and, and Jarvis Landry, like bang, bang, and get you down 14 to nothing or or 21 to 7. And then the rest of the game, they're just going to run the ball and throw little five-yard passes on third and four and keep the chains moving because, you know, they, they, they've got the talent at running back to kind of just feed those guys if they get the lead. Right, and it's going to be it's going to be something that I think that the Browns will need to I think this game this weekend will kind of get a good indication of how this team will perform uh, you know as was many preseason games you don't really get a good indication off the first out a couple of weeks but this weekend should be a um, the week we should see most of the most of the uh, starters, the first string against the first string. So I'm looking forward to that and and how how it performs from there. All right, and our final team at the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals. They finished up last year at six and ten. Coach Marvin Lewis was fired after a 16th season without a playoff win. A 36-year-old Zach Taylor was hired. Important additions besides the new head coach, offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, offensive tackle Jonah Williams, guard John Miller, cornerback B.W. Webb, tight end Drew Staple, linebacker Jermaine Pratt, quarterback Ryan Finley, and guard Michael Jordan. Important losses, like we said, Marvin Lewis, both the offensive and defensive coordinators, guard Clint Boiling, linebacker Vincent Ray, defensive end Michael Johnson, tight end Tyler Croft, offensive tackle Andre Smith, offensive tackle Cedric Ojibay, offensive tackle Jake Fisher, and Vontez Burfitt. So a lot of losses upon their offensive line, which is not going to do any uh, wonders for Andy Dalton, who's getting older, uh, new coaching staff, new coordinator, new offense as well. Uh, also, an important loss will be uh, A.J. Green, as he's probably going to miss like the first four or five games because he's got like a really bad sprained ankle. Uh, he did that in the very first uh, preseason game, and so they're not expecting him to be back for at least another couple of months dealing with that high ankle sprain. So the Bengals are a team in transition. Uh, everything is new <laughs> except for the tandem of A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. So what do you expect to see from the Cincinnati Bengals? What will be a successful year for the Bengals in terms of wins? Six would probably be ideal. It's six again? Uh, yeah, I think with a team in transition like this, and you know, Andy Andy Dalton's gonna do all that he can. Same with AJ Green, and we'll we'll just have to see. I mean, A and A would be very very good for them as well, but you have a young offensive line. We got we got a lot of 
like I said, it's a team in transition. So, and you know, even though you got a couple stars that are still there, how are the pieces around those stars going to perform? Is the question. And those are there's there's a lot of questions around those two main stars. And of course, AJ Green out for for some time. That's gonna put more on us on Andy Dalton. I mean, he does have a couple of receivers. You know, Tyler Boyd can step up, and and uh, if a couple other guys can step up on the offensive end, then there could be a chance for the for the Bengals. But at least until AJ Green gets back, but. Given all the circumstances and the transitions, uh, it's going to be a long year in Cincy. Keep the chili hot and hope for at least six weeks. Seems like we've been waiting for Tyler Boyd to put it together for like the last two seasons in a row. It's just, right. and it's just not, I just don't think it's going to happen for that guy. I mean, he had that one great moment in the game against uh, the Ravens that allowed the Buffalo Bills to go to the playoffs a couple of years ago where he caught the game-winning touchdown. But, I mean, mm-hmm. really, he's been, you know, pretty quiet considering that, you know, he's got a guy who draws so much attention in A.J. Green. It seems like that he would, with a, yeah, the talent that he has, it would be just, you know, he would just be wrecking people, but really hasn't been the case over there for him yet. So be interesting to see if this is finally the year where everything clicks on and, and he can make it happen, new offense, maybe new ideas on, on how to use them. And, and, and he can respond to that. Um, and he's going to have, in this case, he's going, he's going to have that. He's going to have to be because they know he's agree. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so this is really, at this point, it's more of a will. Are you willing to be that guy? Because this is your chance to be that guy. All right. So same as we did with the NFC North. Uh, yeah, NFC North. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you your predictions on how do you think the teams will stack up in the AFC North this year. All right. So I was kind of like formulating this in my head while we was talking about the Bengals. I'm gonna have to go with. I'm gonna have to go with uh, Pittsburgh, then Cleveland, then Baltimore, and then Cincinnati. I'm not thinking they can get two out of there. I think the Browns can get in the playoffs if everything gels and if everybody stays healthy. I think the harmony in Pittsburgh is back, the additions that they had, the subtractions as well. And I just don't believe in that Ravens offense this year. They got to prove me wrong. And then... Of course, the Bengals are a team in transition. So those, yeah, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati. All right, I'm gonna go with Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. I think the Browns are, are, are going to – their defense, I think, is going to be really good at the beginning of the season, and it's going to win them uh, a lot of games to start the season. Then their offense is going to catch up. I think, like you said, Pittsburgh, uh, it may be a little bit rough in the beginning just getting – finding who's going to be the second receiver in the production out of the passing game. But I think once they get things going, that they're going to be just fine. And like you said, the Ravens' offense being just so – uh, unpredictable at this time. Uh, you, if Lamar Jackson can show the strides as a pocket passer, uh, 
uh, then, you know, sky's the limit because then, you know, the running won't have to be such the focus if he can make a number of plays uh, standing in the pocket and delivering the football on time. So I think that they're just such a wild card in in this thing that you can't count on what the record is going to be. And then there's just so much new stuff going on in Cincinnati that if they can finish uh, with the same record they had last year or one or two wins better, then it'll be a successful season uh, for Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. So this time, Libra Icon, I'm going to turn it over to you for your shout outs and thank yous. All right. Well, thank you to the CSPN as always for having me. Thank you to you, Don. Thank you to all the listeners. And I want to, you know, shout out to my my family, friends, everybody back at home. And my final thought is about the team that I really didn't want to talk about uh, a few weeks ago, but I want to talk about them now. The New York Mets, one of the hottest teams in baseball. I mean, this. I think when you finally, the trade deadline, they finally get a, they finally got past the trade deadline. Nobody went anywhere. The relief that came through the clubhouse, and they've been on a tear. 20-9 in the last... 20, well, 26 and 9 in the last 35 games. They're within the wild card and just a real big turnaround, real fun turnaround. They've beat up on teams that they're supposed to beat up on. They beat teams that I thought maybe would be a challenge, but they're playing really great and it's been fun to watch. And, you know, especially with the Yankees' success, you know, and then them being on a tear like this. It's been a pretty good so pretty good summer so far, pretty good August I should say, in New York City for baseball. All right, thank you there, Libra Icon. I'd like to give you a big shout out. I'd like to give a big shout out to everybody who listens to Know the Score and the CSPN. We greatly appreciate you guys uh, listening. Please rate, review, uh, send us feedback as well. Chime in on some of the topics and thoughts. Send us your uh, list of who you think is going to win a certain division or whatever. Just you know, interact with us any way you can through Twitter. You can follow us at KTS Pod on Twitter or emails CSPN Media. Um, at gmail.com so my final thought will be man we got so lucky last week uh Dale Earnhardt Jr his whole family his wife his daughter their dog uh their two pilots luckily escaped uh an airplane accident uh their plane apparently uh landed in the middle of the runway and couldn't get stopped and ran off the runway, tumbled over, and burst into flames. Um, tragedy was avoided, and uh, that just could have been such a a downer, um, you know, such an icon in, you know, let alone racing, but all the sports, and let alone, you know, with his wife and young daughter, too. Um, just, you know, a tragedy that was avoided, and glad that everyone is safe. Um and glad that, you know, we're talking about how lucky they were because it definitely could have went a totally different direction. Uh, when you first heard the news, that he was in a plane crash and, you know, fire and all this stuff. You're just thinking the worst. But uh, to see that video of them uh, getting out and escaping and everybody being fine, 
uh, is definitely a big relief. So big ups and prayers up to Dale Earnhardt Jr. and his family. Glad they're safe and sound. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, put this behind them and, you know, everything will be okay. I mean, it's not like you can't avoid getting on a plane. He's got to, you know, he's got to go do his work stuff and things like that. So I know it's going to probably be difficult the next plane ride he gets on, but uh, hopefully, you know, he can overcome it and things go smooth and he'll get his confidence back of, you know, being in the air and things like that. But just glad that everyone was safe. And uh, we're talking about, you know, him taking a week off of broadcasting instead of, you know, something totally different. So that's my final thought. So for absolutely, so for my co-host, the Libra icon, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.